Welcome to Gamby Lessons in Leadership. I'm your host, Mike Dimmick. And let me say from the outset that Gamby Lessons in Leadership is a really unexciting title, but it's the best we've come up with. So if you're listening to this and you have any suggestions, any better suggestions, we're, we're welcome uh, to have those. This is the first of a series of conversations we'll have with leaders of the global aftermarket marketing and brand division. And we are thrilled Don Carson has agreed to step into the leadoff spot. Don is the global aftermarket solutions marketing manager for Gamby. And thanks for doing this. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. Let's start with what your responsibilities are. What does Global Aftermarket Solutions Marketing Manager do? Okay, well, if you can, if we got enough time, to, we to certainly, fit it all in. we certainly do. You know, first of all, our responsibilities have really evolved throughout the early years of uh, Gamby, and that's with a change of strategy and change of SPC. But you know, one thing that's always remained very consistent is we start our work from analyzing the market. We want to understand where those opportunities are. We collect the needs of our customer, and sometimes that's through the verticals or through um, external research. And then we develop and pilot new solutions. The successful pilots, and they're not all successful, go on more to a deployment uh, with the verticals or through focus teams. So some of the things that we're working on right now today are repair options, yellow mark, self-service options, a new approach to customer relationship management are just some of the things that we're working on today. How fast is aftermarket changing? Aftermarket changes rapidly, it really does. It's um, you know a new competitor, a new author on the market, and something that you've released may not be valid anymore. So we have to be prepared for those changes. What about the customers and the way they view aftermarket? Is that, is that I mean, especially compared to say, even four or five years ago? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that we learned during the downturn is that customers, for instance, on more of the CI side were um, expecting at least two quotes, and they expected them within 24 hours. They were making a lot less of the full repair to bring the machines clear up to a, um, uh, a rebuilt asset, and really more of a repair asset, and that drove the strategy for rebuilds and the things that we had to change in terms of an offer out to the market. Uh, let's go into your background uh, a little bit. What, how, did you, how did you get here? What was your path to where you're sitting today? Well, you know, my path really was through um, a logistics, through cat logistics. So, um, you know, when I was in college, I, you know, I really thought I wanted to be in public relations, but I had this opportunity to work as a dispatcher for um, Roadway Express, which was one of the top uh, trucking companies back in the early 90s. And um, I had a customer who called one night and wanted to know, they had missed all the cutoffs for air freight, and they wanted to know if um, our Roadway Express could actually deliver this freight. And I wasn't in sales at the time, but I made a lot, this was before cell phones and before text, so I had to make a lot of calls to different terminals to find out if a new offer that we had would supply them. And we actually found something uh, that would work. We got their freight delivered and it brought attention um, to me in terms of what a career could be like in logistics. And a sales manager took interest in me talked to me about how Roadway needed females, and I actually changed uh, my degree to add that minor of logistics and uh, set the next 10 years of my career, which is how I came into Caterpillar through Cat Logistics. So it's not exactly the way you drew it up out of college. Certainly not. <laughs> so as, as your career begins to develop, you now find that you've, you, you've got a talent for this. What, 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 what's part of your path? Do you go into the field? 
you know, one of the things I get asked in a lot of career development is how do people get experience in the field when they haven't been in the field before? And as a mid-career hire coming out of cat logistics, that was certainly something that I had to tackle. And um, a, a gentleman had worked with me before in cat logistics took a chance on me to actually touch the fringe of the business. So my first opportunity to work with the field was actually on the used part side um, of the dealership, working on actually reducing the bargain list parts. Um, so that was my first taste of the dealers, and after working with the dealers, I knew that's definitely the direction I wanted to go. Um, came into hydraulics and then went down to Latin America for six years and worked across CSAs and marketing and, and services marketing. And, and uh, so the career path was set in terms of moving more towards that marketing role and working in the field. You know, some people listening to this obviously have had a s similar career path. Some have not been out in the field. What, what did you get out of it? Why was it indispensable? I think it was indispensable because it gives you a new form of what the reality is. It's very easy um, in the back office sometimes to think of how things will work, but when you're sitting there in front of a customer, you're sitting there in front of a dealer and realizing how it actually is working, it's, um, it's a whole different perspective. So I really value that time in the field, but I think there are ways that we can get other people that perspective um, from working on some of those fringe areas in the field rather than requiring that everyone has a field assignment. You've had an opportunity now to do a lot of things. Um, as your career advanced, what are some of the personal growth lessons that, that you've learned that you've found to be most important? You know, I think the one thing that I keep trying to remind myself, because we're always learning, right, is it's a, it's a challenge when you're living it, but time and time again, I've learned that um, to experience struggle is really when you're gonna push the boundaries. It's going to ease your decision to take risks and it's gonna bring about that culture change. And you know, I've seen that several times throughout my career. I think the first time was in Cat Logistics where we really moved from a cost plus, where you weren't, you weren't incentivized to really help the customer to more of a guaranteed cost. And our first attempt at that didn't work and we actually canceled that contract, but it, it opened our eyes to how you can differentiate value to customers to really drive long-term success. I also felt that in Latin America when you know we had limited resources and our deployment was the same across all 33 different countries. And um, you know we really took a pause and we looked at what are the important things that we needed for that market and challenged ourselves to complete these initiatives differently. We, we narrowed down to what we called the uh, Fab Four and only did four different initiatives with the dealers across Latin America. Um, we put, put our teams on the top opportunity dealers and then we learned to scale a different way and we had very clear messages on why those were our priorities. So I, I, th I think I've learned a lot that when you're struggling, you're on a breakthrough. What are some of the other lessons? I think some of the other lessons I've learned is that, you know, in this company, people are willing to give you feedback. It really comes from a position of willing to help. Recently in a, in a product that we were launching, um, I was talking to a gentleman who was talking about the differences of our team, and he mentioned to me, you know, when I hear your team talk, I hear all you talk about is opportunity, but not any of the risk. And it was interesting because my perspective was just the opposite from his, is all I hear you talk about is risk, but none of the opportunity. And we really use that as a jumping off point for our team to bring in some of the risk um, analysis that we've done, some of the mitigations that we have planned and how we could work together through that. And on the same perspective, he brought in this willingness to look at how we can grow and where some of those opportunities are from a different perspective. So it really drove a completely different thought process um, through launching this product because we were willing to give each other feedback. 
Don, you mentioned that you came up through what would be considered kind of male-dominated uh, businesses. Uh, how has your view of diversity and inclusion kind of evolved as, as, as you have evolved in these roles? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, when I originally started um, in my career, my thought process is, you know, what's best is to be one of the, one of the guys, right? I was, I was out on a dock. I was in a sales environment that sold mostly to men, and, and that was kind of my approach. And, you know, I think what I've learned over the last, especially since Caterpillar has taken the uh, diversity and inclusion, is the benefits of really being willing to um, recognize that you th you may think differently, you may express your ideas differently. Um, it's it's okay to say, here's some things that are flexibility that I need as a woman, especially as a mother, in order to um, grow my career as well as have a healthy family. And those are just things I didn't think through until Caterpillar really started their diversity and inclusion drive. You know, you, you mentioned, I want to get back to, you've said struggle is, is good. And, you know, I think of, like with your children, you know they have to go through adversity to get it, but you don't wish them adversity, and you certainly don't wish them uh, extreme adversity. When you look at struggle at, at, at work, what were the keys to making sure that it turned out to be a positive learning experience and that you, you turned into that? Is, is it a matter of attitude? Is it a matter of how you look at it? Is it a matter of bringing bringing the team together behind it? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, when you're driving a culture change to understand that you have to celebrate every little win. You know, I think about some of the things that we're going through right now in uh, Gambie where we just launched our first um, Pops targets using Olga. And, uh, you know, we're struggling with the thought process of future opportunities and how big they really uh, could be or if the data is wrong. And it's driving all the right conversations. We're starting to really learn how is it calculated? What are some of the things that we really do need to improve in the system? But really recognize that this is gonna be a competitive advantage as we work together. So we're celebrating those small wins, continuing to work together and understanding where the future is going to be in terms of this competitive advantage. Because those small wins tell you you're going in the right direction. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, what do you do to make sure you stay inspired in your leadership role that you don't, uh, that, that you keep that freshness? Yeah, so, um, you know, I think I look at it from two perspectives. I think number one is um, there's these key memorable moments, right, of inspirations that have forever shaped, you know, what I think about Caterpillar and what I think about the dealers. And an example of that would be is when Superstorm Sandy hit the Northeast and to see not how just the dealers in the Northeast, but all the dealers across the U.S., how they worked together to make sure that they mobilized equipment to be ready to help uh, the Northeast after the storm hit. I you know, was in the office when um, the dealers were working around the clock to keep hospitals open and Red Cross stations open, and it was really awe-inspiring. I think we all saw it. Um, just recently with the hurricanes in August that happened down in the Texas regions. I mean, you can remember the articulated truck, you know, filled with people plowing through the water, um, getting people to safety as well as bringing food back in. And I think those are the things that you really know this is a, a very different company. But I don't also want to um, uh, forget that you're, you can be inspired every single day. There are people in this company who will do whatever you need to do to help. To, to help you daily. You just reach out and ask and they're there. And they're willing to accept more responsibility to make sure that the strategy will be successful and to help somebody else be successful. So it's the big moments as well as the everyday achievements uh, that these teams, teams drive. 
Okay, I've got to ask you about one thing. On your desk, there's a, there's a little, I don't know what you would call it, wedge that says Hodor yes. um, on it, which is a clear reference to Game of Thrones. What are the leadership lessons of Game of Thrones? <laughs> Well, um, leadership lessons, I, I think that one is don't turn your back, right? <laughs> For sure. Um, nothing is how it seems, but, uh, you know, Kevin Benz uh, is also a fan of uh, Game of Thrones, and he gave that to me as we, you know, kind of think through all the things that we're trying to break through in a, in a culture change. And, you know, how sometimes you just kind of got to hold the door on the quick wins that uh, you've made and keep plowing through. Uh, so I look at that every day as a good inspiration. And I should mention that Don does live in a castle as well. <laughs> no, I wish. <laughs> well, Don, you turned out to be the guinea pig for the, the, the inaugural edition of this. Do you feel like you survived okay? I, I guess was we'll it, find out from the feedback. Mostly, was it mostly painless? <laughs> Absolutely. And more important, is there anything that we didn't talk about that you'd like to share? No, I think, I think you hit all the key points. You're an excellent interviewer, and I thank you for your help. Well, Don, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Our thanks to you. For joining in, be sure to stay tuned for more Gamby Lessons in Leadership podcasts.